As this video goes live, we are about three days out from the official Australian launch of Isuzu's hastily converted all-new 2022 MUX. Hastily converted from a D-Max, obviously. And it seems pretty clear to me that Isuzu is about to have a big fat lend of us all, and possibly even itself, on price. I'm John Cadogan from autoexpert.com.au and I get new cars cheap for buyers here in Australia. Website for that, obviously. Or you can just click the card that's up there now, dude. This video is sponsored by Olight, the tactical flashlight dudes. Sale tonight, big discounts, plus 12% discount code for auto expert viewers like you outside of the sale. Link in the description. Full details, just a sec. Three days out from the all-new MUX Pants Down Party, albeit socially distanced with most of the nation in lockdown, according to Isuzu, the all-new Isuzu MUX is about to land on Australian shores. With exquisite styling inside and out, enhanced off-road features, exhilarating tech and exceptional safety features, it's time to expand your horizons on what you thought a seven-seat SUV could be. Well, golly gee, Jim Bob, where do I frickin' sign? Will one MUX be sufficient? I might need two. Exquisite? Really? Exhilarating? Did we open up the big boy's book of buzzwords? Or what? Ultimate epistemically subjective determinations right there, I think. Back on ontological ground, of course, the reality is that like the Ford Everest, the Toyota Fortuna and the Pajero Sport, Isuzu has industriously done the absolute minimum engineering it feels it can get away with in order to make a D-Max into a seven-seat wagon. And yet, the floodgates appear to have opened in the dam nestled neatly in the foothills of Bullshit Mountain. This changes everything. Well, goody gumdrops, because I'm pretty damn sick of the status quo right about now. However, when you watch Isuzu's full 30-second MUX fluffer reel, with your director's hat on, the best they appear to be able to feature at great expense with their everything changer is to highlight driving and being parked on a flat surface, plus the badge, LED headlamps, which is probably only available in the top variant, Apple CarPlay, a power tailgate, again, probably only if you spend the big bucks, and remote start. Whoopty. Frickin' do. Meanwhile, the price appears to be about to make like Jeff Bezos and Richard Branson recently emulating Yuri Gagarin in Vostok 1 back in 1961. We are certainly go for liftoff on MUX pricing. Australia's second most hated motoring journalist, Josh Dowling, Silver medal, Dowling. Like, always the bridesmaid. So frustrating. Anyway, second place Dowling ran the story about a week back in the Meat Society Digest, or uh, maybe Car Advice. I always get them mixed up. 
the story where a dealer leaked the MUX prices to a banjo recital or some other Facebook group. I'm paraphrasing, okay? No offence is intended. I watched Deliverance last night and I ate a hell of a lot of sugar for breakfast. Car makers flat out hate that. The price leaking, not the sugar consumption so much. Do try to keep up, dude. Come on. It's a firing offence, leaking the prices like that. Anywho, it appears as if the MUX prices are heading properly to infinity and beyond, hiking up by a staggering $9,000 on most models. Like, they have to be having a lend. This is the hugest philosophical marketplace repositioning exercise in vehicles like this ever. It means that instead of like 54,990 drive away for the range-topping MUX LST 7-seat 4x4, you'll be paying 63,990 for the new one with its everything-changing power tailgate, etc. It's actually unclear whether deep throat dealer's price leakage dude is referring to drive away or recommended retail price. And Woodward and Bernstein frickin' Dowling couldn't crack that code either, I'd add. And if it's RRP, in fact, you might be asked to hand over three or four grand more. Yes. But let's just assume that it's drive away pricing, okay? 9,000 bucks is a hell of a lot of extra hoot especially with half the country on lockdown and more and more small businesses going to the wall every day, thanks to politically incompetent vaccine rollout management, yada, yada, yada. Like, if you ever wondered what a global laughing stock actually looked like, I'd suggest, dude, we're all standing in one. Anywho, just to put the new MUX in context based on what we know, in case you're getting yourself all fluffed up to justify buying one, it's pretty clear that the new one is no longer occupying the cheap, cheerful position of its predecessor, sitting out the front in the discount bin. It's attempting to play with the big boys in 2022, and you almost always lose a bit of bark when you try to do that. Comparing the top of the ranges here, MUX LST 4x4 is going to be 64 grand. It's up against Ford Everest Titanium with its highly strung hand grenade 2 litre twin turbo diesel engine for about 79 grand. So that actually seems quite reasonable pricing for the Isuzu when you look at it like that. But Everest is substantially more powerful at least until the pin falls out of the grenade and Ford throws you under the bus in the time-honoured tradition. You also get free, endless hunting between the ten gears, all ten of them, when towing, but not at once, hopefully, with every new Everest. It's just Ford's way of saying thanks. Who's next? Uh, Toyota Fortuna. Crusade, with design elements seemingly harking back to the actual Crusades in the 11th century. About 66 grand drive away for one of those, and it's a big T, so huge blue singlet rubber thong wearing cred instantly. In a Fortuna, you are, of course, automatically enrolled in Dingo Piss Platinum, and you don't even need a sponsor to apply, and it'll have kick-ass resale value guaranteed in the manner of basically all Toyota off-roaders, no matter how fundamentally medieval they are in the flesh. Fortuna is also more powerful than Isuzu's everything changer across the rev range, 
So there's that. And next, I think we'll cover Pajero Sport, which is about 62 big ones drive away. And you get an eight-speed auto. It's slightly down on power compared with the everything changer, but only in the margins. And let's be kind, Pajero Sport has somewhat distinctive styling, especially toward the buttocks. It's perhaps a small mercy that you cannot see this feature, the derriere, from the driver's seat. But dude, like everyone else can, I guess you just have to learn to let that go. Still, Mitsubishi almost manages to achieve with 2.4 litres, the kind of output Isuzu can only manage with 3 litres. Like, that's 25% more engine, and certainly not achieving 25% more mumbo. Pajero Sport's big party trick, and it is rather a big one here, is the ability to operate in four-wheel drive high range with the centre diff unlocked on a high traction surface. This is a huge plus in the wet, on a slippery driveway, or on a high traction dirt road that's just peppered randomly with really slippery intermediate intervals, without warning. See, with most youths, and therefore their hastily converted half-sisters that we're discussing here, you're stuck in two-wheel drive on all high-traction surfaces because of the agricultural transfer case architecture. There's no centre diff, dude. It's just locked in there. So this is, of course, a limitation. Actually, now that I think about it, you can actually engage four-wheel drive wherever you want, whenever you want in these vehicles. The only downside, of course, being that you'll blow the transmission up if you do. So there's that. As the cheap, cheerful discount option among the converted ute fraternity, MUX was quite successful. It managed to outsell the competition. Yes, and being like 9,000 bucks cheaper is a good way to achieve that. Last year, MUX managed about 7,000 total sales here in Casa de Merde. Everest and Pajero Sport, both about 6,000. Fortuna, it's widely regarded, obviously, within the Steering and Events Committee of Dingo Piss Platinum as something of a ladies' Hilux. Not that there's anything wrong with that, except that its sales were less than 3,000 units last year. Matthew Callahan must hate that. Hate. Not even a podium finish for Fortuna. All those 2.8 DPFs going poopy in their trousers. Probably didn't help. MUX sales will almost certainly tank at this new elevated price point. They'll launch the new one and there's going to be a spike in latent demand. Doubtless they'll order a pallet of Verve Clicquot for the boardroom as enthusiasts all rush in to have their everything fundamentally changed. But after that, the fundamental equilibrium of supply and demand will be dictated by the new price point, right? And MUX sales will inevitably fall. I'd probably wait for that if I were you, because nothing helps discounting more than reduced demand relative to supply. Now, people, like humans, homo sapiens, and I suppose hetero sapiens, and I will not discriminate on this, okay? Don't get me started. Some people, is what I'm saying, some people make a huge mistake when they buy a vehicle such as this. And I'll be back in just a sec to tell you what this critical error is and how you can avoid making it. 
But first, let's talk Olight, because there's a big sale all week from 8pm tonight. And I want to talk you through my five favourite Olight flashlights so that you can make an informed choice. The Warrior Mini 2 is in my pocket every day. I carried the original Mini before that for months. This thing is a powerhouse in a pint-sized package, and it is so useful. Like, I find myself using it every day. All five of these torches have a tactical mode. The big switch right on the end gives you a retina scorching beam using just gross motor skills, which is exactly what you need if you're under pressure. But the first three torches also have a side switch for finer adjustments lower beam intensities and things of that nature, which is very useful. If you're going to get just one torch, get one of these three. M2R Pro Warrior, brighter, tougher, more tactical, but still pocket-sized, albeit at the upper limit of the range there. I keep this one in my basic camera bag and also one in my big boy's handbag, so whenever I'm in the field, I've got that, plus a level of redundancy with the Mini 2 in my pocket. The Freya, with its silicon condom, is perfect for the car. It's essentially an M2R Pro Warrior with RGB LED functionality for signalling when you're using that translucent condom. They'll all charge by USB too, these flashlights, so I leave the Freya in the Triton with a magnetic charging cable and I just plug it in after I use it. Like, how simple is that? It never leaves the vehicle unless I'm using it. Next is the Warrior X Pro, which is 100% tactical in its application. It's too big for a pocket, but okay for a duty belt if you roll like that in your job. So I guess if the zombies do breach the gate eventually and we run low on ammo, that's the torch I'm going to reach for. And lastly, the Warrior Turbo, which is ideal for long distances, like search and rescue. It punches a lot of light a hell of a long way in a tight beam. So if you're taking the boat out or something, that's the torch for you. They're all waterproof, all drop tested, all with the cleverest magnetic USB recharging system ever. The big Olight sale starts tonight. You get 20% off website-wide. There's a link in the description that will take you straight there. Warrior X Turbo up to 45% off and this new O-Lantern. Like, dude, if you're strutting around your campsite in high-vis safety thongs, this is the Olight for you. And you'll get up to 50% off. And yeah, I get a commission if you go for one, but I also have huge faith in the product after using it extensively for months now. The sale runs from 8pm tonight, Monday the 26th of July, until midnight on Friday the 30th. And if you miss that, a code for 12% off in perpetuity is also in the description. Thank you very much for sticking with me right through this promo. And now, this fundamental mistake people make. They investigate seven-seat SUVs, and by virtue of whatever convoluted mental process, they arrive at an absurdly mismatched shortlist of contenders. And I see this all the time in actual new car purchase inquiries from actual punters incipiently to splash their cash via the inquiry form on my website. It goes like this. Please help me, I cannot decide between MUX, Pajero Sport, Kluger and Santa Fe, or something, okay? Something of that ilk. There's this 
absurd implied equivalence between these four vehicles. Like, as if being just seven-seat SUVs makes them equivalent in their intended application. So let me spell this out for you, okay, if you are not a vehicle enthusiast. If a vehicle like a Santa Fe or a CX-9, or a Sorento, or a Kluger is right for you, then a vehicle like an MUX, a Pajero Sport, a Fortuna, or an Everest is going to be wrong. It's just wrong, and vice versa, obviously. The first group are sort of big, refined, car-like family wagons that are great to drive around town, and also excellent on the highway. But they have, at best, moderate off-road capability, and they have some tow capacity, but it's not extreme. Whereas the hastily converted utes are like driving unrefined tractors around town and on the highway comparatively. And this is an intrinsic engineering compromise because their design really does afford fairly extreme off-road performance out of the box as well as giving you outright heavy caravan boat and trailer tow capacity. They're vastly different in their intended application okay and therefore if all you want is like a family wagon for driving the kids around and their friends occasionally and perhaps ambitiously driving down a half-decent dirt road twice a year after the use-by date on the zombie pandemic expires, then maybe you're going to tow, I don't know, a 1,500-kilogram camper trailer or something. Then you need to buy the softer kind of seven-seat SUV if you want the best vehicle for your kind of driving. It'll be just right, like Goldilocks, for 95% of your driving, and it'll cope with the other 5% with the trailer and the decent dirt road and all that stuff. It'll cope with mild adventuring, in other words. However, if Dingo Piss Creek is calling to you in your dreams, like the sirens from Greek mythology urging the mariners to their Samuel Taylor Coleridge-esque fate, ultimately. If you yearn deep in your loins to drive through a crocodile-infested river in the Kimberley, towing an acoustically transparent aluminium chitois, costing more than the vehicle, full of last night's vindaloo washed down with a slab of VB and perhaps a cask of golden oak fruity white for your lovely wife, then one of these hastily gas-axed utes might be right up your blue singleted and thong-shod alley. Yes! Dude, try saying that thrice with a bottle of Hendrix on board. My unique skill set. Enough that cave. Ah. Where were we? That is tasty. However, don't get completely seduced by Isuzu's enthusiastic multi-megabuck MUX pre-launch fluffing. Don't do it. Engage at least three neurons from your cerebral cortex when weighing up this weighty issue. Whip those brain cells mercilessly, like the slaves to the intellect, which they are. Except, of course, if you're a politician. The right vehicle is a matter of horses for courses, as Mazda would doubtless confirm. Jinba friggin' itai, I say, forever, dudes. 
it's kind of important to consider the driving that you're actually going to do, like the nature of driving you will really do with your vehicle, and choose a vehicle that does that really well. Like, call me a cranky conformist, an old-fashioned cock even, if you must, but operating from this presumption of false equivalence between the likes of Kluger and the tractor-esque MUX and its brethren, it's just you industriously paving the road to automotive hell with your really, really good, but logically flawed, intentions.